Welcome to Bracket U. My name is Brian Tonsoni. I am the uh, class sponsor of the Delphi Bracketology Club. This is our first podcast of the year. Uh, we'll get to the main part of the podcast, but uh, I wanted to let you know that the the audio of the first segment is a little echoey because we uh, recorded at the high school instead of at uh, my home studio. So forgive us for that. Uh, we'll learn and we'll try to do some different things with the audio if we have to record uh, at, at school. But I hope that you enjoy our discussion about the brand new college basketball season and I, and our early top 16 teams, uh, according to our students and teachers. And then we talk to uh, someone special uh, from uh, that covers the University uh, University of Illinois uh, basketball program. So thank you. Enjoy. Uh, let us know what you think. Welcome everyone to the first episode of the 2020-2021 Bracket U podcast. Bracket U is brought to you by Delphi Bracketology, a group of students and teachers at Delphi Community High School in Delphi, Indiana. I am your host, Brian Tonsoni. And here at Delphi Bracketology, we will bring you news and information on college basketball from the perspective of a selection committee. Please check out our podcast articles and bracket predictions all season long. Our work can be found on Twitter by following us at, at Delphi Brackets and check out our website, www.delphibracketology.com for all the information. So let's start off today's episode with our bracket news of the week. And gentlemen, uh, scheduling is the main issue in the world of college basketball. Uh, what kind of schedules, what kind of non-conference schedules are we going to see this year? And non-conference is really important to us who call ourselves bracketologists. Uh, non-conference games kind of serve two purposes. One, to see how teams do against quality opponents from a, a variety of locations and conferences, and two, the results of non-conference game help distinguish which conferences may be the best in a given year. And when it comes down to selecting those last few teams, a strong conference is more likely to get extra teams into the tournament. So this season looks to be a wild one for bracket work. We are seeing teams pull out of pre-scheduled um, multiple team events due to the, the coronavirus restrictions and scheduling has not been out um, by any means at this point um, this year. So that's the news of the week as we start uh, our work here on the uh, 2021 NCAA bracket. Now let me introduce our guest for tonight's show. Uh, first, he is beginning the seventh year in our Bracketology Club. is a high school basketball coach and just overall great guy, Dave Gilbert. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts here at the beginning of the college basketball season? Uh, well, college basketball is one of my favorite times of the year, the start of the college basketball season. Um, you know, there's still some excitement, uh, but there's a lot of uncertainty. Uh, usually games would be starting uh, next week if it's a normal year, but obviously everybody's schedule got pushed back a couple weeks. Um, but there's just so much uncertainty uh, that uh, you, you really don't know what's going to go happen uh, with, you know, college basketball and with your, uh, the teams that we cheer for. Also, also joining us tonight is a four-year um, member of our group, faculty member, who is responsible for all of our media credentials. Uh, he is the media credential specialist of our Delphi Bracketology group. The work that he has done has elevated our group uh, and given us opportunities in places that we never knew possible. Please welcome Steve Painter uh, to the podcast. Steve, what are your thoughts here at the beginning of the college basketball season? Well, kind of, kind of to jump on what Dave said, there's just so many unknowns. Um, you know, it is exciting, but, uh, you know, I, I've been listening to how, like, the selection committee, uh, Dan Gavitt, the senior VP of uh, NCAA basketball, was talking about this, and they said that they're just having 
multiple content, uh, contingency plans for so many different unknowns. Um, so I think we're looking at the strangest season we've ever had, uh, and hopefully we'll get a full season, but I think they're going to try to do everything possible to get a season going and get, uh, get us a tournament, an NCAA tournament. So um, my thoughts are, you know, it's just everything is going to be flexible and in a wait and see mode. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think we're looking at a season where you're going to have multiple teams in the tournament with a huge disparity between the number of games played. Uh, you're going to have conference play with uneven number of games played just due to cancellations. You're going to have some teams that that should win, but they'll lose because they're missing key players. And then, you know, that's another factor that we'll have to look at as far as, you know, do we do we throw that game out as a loss or is it still a big loss? There's just so many unknowns. So, you know, it, it may make our job extremely difficult as a, as a bracketologist to try to take all these new variables into play. Um, but it, it's exciting. I think we're going to have a season and, uh, you know, but it's just a wait and see mode every, day by day, literally. Yeah, so before we go any further, we want to show our appreciation for all of our followers and supporters. We have been able to create better websites, podcasts. We even had a television show last season. And that's because several people were very generous in donations for our club. And those donations have been used for improvements and items for our graduating seniors. We would especially like to thank Coca-Cola Bottling of Kokomo for their monetary support and also for their ability to put us on some some internet shows and also we would like to encourage all hoop fans to check out homefieldapparel.com they have t-shirts hoodies and all kinds of um, apparel uh, for a large amount of college teams across the nation uh, they specialize in retro logos for most teams so make sure you uh, check out uh, homefieldapparel.com uh, it, it's the most comfortable college gear and it's retro, uh, good logos, good people run the program, and they're, they're very good at the customer service. That is homefieldapparel.com. So here's what we're going to be talking about in our introductory podcast this week. Number one, the uncertainty of the season. Number two, as Steve mentioned a little bit, how we believe teams might be selected this season. Uh, and number three, we're going to share with you our preseason seeds that were selected by our students and teacher committee last week. And then also joining us, uh, later in the show will be Jim Cotter, who covers Illinois basketball for a discussion uh, on on Illinois. So, gentlemen, let's talk uh, the uncertainty of the season. Uh, Dave, uh, your your thoughts as to their we we've lowered the games down from 31 to 27. Do you your gut feeling on how many games uh, local or most college teams might get in this this season? Um, you know. I mean, it's going to be a week-to-week -week process. Uh, we've already seen with the Big Ten with uh, football games. Uh, some Wisconsin's already lost two football games out of the, the first three of the season, uh, and that's affected and impacted other teams like Purdue already and Nebraska. Uh, so I'm sure we're going to see that. Uh, I don't know if teams will now make the, the, that 27 that they're allowed to play. However, I do think that there is going to be more flexibility in the season to make up those games with college basketball than there is with the, the Big Ten in football because, you know, the Big Ten only gave themselves uh, eight weeks to get those eight games in. Um, so I think teams will probably still be able to get 25, 24 games in at least, if not the 27, because there is that flexibility um, with the, the season and with the dates uh, for college basketball. But it's still going to be uh, kind of a week-by-week, a week, uh, even a day-by-day 
situation. It's going to be very fluid. Steve, different conferences have different protocols. Different states have different protocols. You know, here in the Big Ten, where we, we, we are in Big Ten country, it's going to be like 21 days if you have a player test positive, where in other conferences it might only be 10 or 14. Doesn't that add to some of the uncertainty of this season of, of not only our team's going to play full schedules, but our team's going to have full rosters? Yeah, certainly. Uh, to me, you know, for the Big Ten uh, self imposing a 21-day quarantine. I think they're they're putting themselves at a competitive disadvantage by doing that, but you can't really fault them. You know, Big Ten is probably this, the most cautious conference of them all as far as, uh, you know, putting safety absolutely first. Um, you know, it's, it's controversial, but yeah, it, it could definitely hurt them because, you know, a poor guy gets, you know, quarantined and yeah, he could miss significant time. He'd be totally fine to play and feel healthy, but um, you know. Whereas you got another conference that, where a guy just sits out a week, week or two. Um, yeah, it, it's it doesn't seem fair, uh, but I I know that uh, the the committee has talked about that this year we don't really expect things to be necessarily fair. They'll try to do the best they can, but there's certainly going to be a lot of things that are going to seem unfair uh, during this season. Um, but you're right, the, the, the difference and the lack of unity across uh, the board and the rules is, uh, is definitely gonna make things complicated. Okay, I'm gonna pause here till this buzzer goes. The season is, is uncertain. One of the things I, I, will, I will say to our listeners and any, anyone who's checking in is, you know, I think we gotta be happy with whatever games we get. Um, that, that's what I'm hearing from some of the college sources uh, that, that I've talked to is, you you got to coach every week and, and try to play every week. And we as fans, we, we see the schedule. And if a game's being played, enjoy it. If it's not, uh, look forward to your team coming back to return. So that brings us to a real tough situation with how do we do our job? Because uh, as our group, since we started in 2015, we read and studied what the NCAA tournament did. And uh, we try to follow their procedures. And they've used the RPI in the past and just recently have transferred over to the net ranking um, and whether those are, are correct or not. And even the, the extra, the alternative stats like Ken Palm and Bart Torvik, uh, those have been used to some, some extent as well by the selection committee. But this year, they may not be as accurate of statistics because of, of the changes of schedules. And as you guys both have said that some teams will play less games. And so can you really look at those metrics? So that leads us to just how in the heck are we gonna select 68 teams when there used to be a really, a pretty good system of looking at the net and the quality wins and the quad system and all that. Um, Steve, we'll start with you this time. Kind of what's your thoughts on how we're going to have to select teams come March? Yeah, I, I, I agree. You know, it seemed like the last, especially last season, the net became, uh, well, we never know because we, we didn't get a selection. But, but our feeling was based on, uh, you know, the, the, the reveal that the net was carrying a lot more weight on the selection committee. And uh, Dan Gavitt has already said that he doesn't see the, the net being uh, as a strong of a factor and it's not, not as accurate a tool as it used to be uh, just because of the uncertainty. So I think we're just gonna have to look at um, winning, winning percentage, um, I think there's going to be a little. I, I think this may be the year where we're going to be just doing the doing the eyeball test 
on, uh, you know, does this look like a tournament team? Uh, what I fear is that this could turn into something like Big Ten football where NCAA basketball decides to do conference play only and we're not going to get uh, the big time matchups of cross conference play. I know they're going to try to get it in and hopefully we can. Um, but if we don't have to go to something like conference play only or just, you know, within a certain region, you're, you're not going to be able to really compare, you know, these different teams because the, the, you're only going to see the style of play that goes on in each conference. So I don't know. I think it's um, I, I think the eyeball test might just be our best best bet. Uh, obviously, the more games we play, the more cross conference games we can get in, the, the, the better it's going to be to for, for fairness. But uh, it, that is one of the biggest unknowns that I that I know of is how how are we going to evaluate these teams if if they're not playing each other as much as usual. Dave, in the past, conference record and conference positioning hasn't really been uh, a selection committee factor because of unbalanced schedules uh, in some of these bigger conferences. But um, do, you, do you think that maybe that will play a little bit more of a factor of, of where you're sitting in a conference and maybe your you're one loss in a conference? Uh, uh, and you, you, is that okay? Or what, are your, what would be your concerns if there is something like that? Um, yeah, I mean, that's something that we, we might have to look at this year because, uh, you know, teams aren't going to be able to play as many non-conference games, even if they get to play any non-conference games this year. Um, and so that might be all that we have to look at is their in-conference record and where they're at in the standings. Um, but the, the problem with that is, once again, you know, if, you know, a team in the Big Ten, say Purdue, lost one of their best players for COVID reasons, he was out for 21 days, and they played six games of conference play, and you know that's going to impact their record and impact their standings. Um, so I mean, there's flaws in that. I don't think there's going to be really um, any good way to try and determine teams this year, as far as something that's real, you know, tangible that that we can take a, a look at and really see. Um, that's going to be one of the big difficulties this year in, in bracketology. Yeah, and, and you know, we've always tried to take injuries into effect, like what was the team's record without this player who was out for a week or two, but that could really take on a, a process of, of comparing a team instead of 20 games in the Big Ten that plays 14 versus 18, uh, this superstar was out or this team missed whole whole games. So I do think I agree with, with both of you. I think it's going to be more of an eye test who's playing better. Uh, and, and it'll be interesting to see if it doesn't skew to some more mid-majors, which uh, uh, Steve is a really big fan in our group of pushing for the mid-majors, uh, that you have some teams with 26 and four records or 22 and four records in mid-majors versus a 10 and 10 Big Ten team, even though everyone I'm hearing say is the Big Ten's the best conference um, in, in the country. And we're poised to get about nine or 10 teams in the tournament last year. That's gonna be hard if you just have a majority of conference games. So. Our selection process is going to be totally brand new this year. We're going to try to do our very best. We had a slip up a couple years ago where we fell down the rankings, but uh, the first three years we were in the top 20 each of the three years uh, on bracketmatrix.com. So we're pretty proud of our work and we're going to work really hard uh, to, uh, to bring you a pretty accurate bracket come, come March regardless. And so with that, we have met and we have uh, our preseason one through four seeds and in the future weeks, we're going to fill out the rest of the bracket, and hopefully by Thanksgiving, we'll have a full 68-team preseason bracket uh, based on a lot of statistics. Ken Palm, Bart Torvik, uh, Blue Ribbon yearbook we used a lot. Um, so I'm going to – I have these by regions, but our number one seeds were Baylor, Gonzaga, Villanova, and Illinois, which we're going to talk um, some Illinois basketball 
uh, later with a, with another guest. Um, the first three were pretty no-brainers. Um, uh, Gilby, talk a little bit about why we th thought uh, Illinois uh, might be that fourth number one seed. Um, you know, Illinois uh, really benefited a lot uh, when Kofi Coburn and Ayo Desumu came back um, after de originally declaring for the draft. Uh, you got two, you know, potential All-Americans there, um, and and they returned four starters uh, and, and from a team that was playing pretty well there in the Big Ten last year. Um, so they, they have a lot of talent there in Champaign this year. And, and Steve, um, you, you were a big proponent of Iowa uh, being selected. They, they're in our two-seed line with Virginia, Duke, and Kansas. Um, you, you're quite high on Iowa. Um, why is that? Well, uh, you know, I'd look at, you know, a potential player of the year in, in uh, Garza, Luke Garza, um, and uh, they're just, uh, they're, they're solid. I think I think the, the strength of the Big Ten um, uh, is going to carry a lot of weight. Uh, I, I think uh, I think at least one number one seed is, is almost guaranteed. I, I, I think uh, uh, just given our, uh, the reputation of the Big Ten, I think the Big Ten champion is going to get a one seed. Who knows? They could even get two. Um, so, uh, but I, I I see those top tiered Big Ten teams um, really getting good seeds, um, and Iowa with their you know re returning depth, um, the guard play. I think it's a uh, they're 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 a strong candidate. It, it it's it's hard to predict. You know, you just don't know how things are going to go. But based on uh, returning starters, I, I think Iowa's got a great chance. And in our three seed line, we have Wisconsin, Oregon, Texas Tech, and Kentucky. I probably would move Kentucky up. I'm a little leery sometimes when Coach Cal has a lot of young but great talent, they, they don't achieve as much. So maybe that's the three seeds right where they belong. But, boy, they're talented, uh, and they got a, a, a nice uh, couple transfers that uh, got some waivers and are going to play. Um, I'm, I'm not so sold on Iowa. Uh, I agree with everything you said about Garza coming back, but their inability to defend, they're going to have to get a lot better defensively in order to be uh, that high. I would have flip-flopped maybe Kentucky and Iowa a little bit, but the team that our committee selected that's really questionable to me is Texas Tech in, in the three line. I think they're going to be good. I think Coach Beard is just a fantastic coach. Um, and they got some good uh, transfers coming in that got some waivers as well. So I think Texas Tech is, a, is probably um, a little high for us. But, again, preseason, um, not so bad. And rounding off our, our four seeds are Tennessee, Florida State, Michigan State, Creighton, uh, Gilby. Anyone in that four that, that you think is, uh, is capable or should be moved up or anyone that um, you would uh, kind of drop a little bit lower? Um, I know a, a lot of, you know, prognosticators are high on Tennessee. Uh, I've seen them ranked as high as, you know, fifth in some uh, preseason uh, polls and magazines. But, uh, you know, I think they'll be good. But, I mean, they were only 17 and 14 last year. And to, to have them jump up that high, um, you know, I think, you know, we may have them a little high. I mean, I think there's talent there, but it might take some time for that talent to uh, mesh. Um, but yeah, I, I feel uh, like it might be a little high on Tennessee from going from 17 and 14 last year to number five or a top 12 team in the country. Yeah, and one of the things for for all of you listening too is you know it, when we do our job, we do our job when there's results. Um, we're not um, 
you know, the CBS experts or the ESPN experts that, that study uh, all of the stats and all of that. We, we look and compare teams who has this many wins and how did they win. That, that's part of our bracketology work. But we do like to provide a preseason bracket. So we, we kind of talk and, and get our, our foundation of work ready with this. So we have them in the following regions. And gentlemen, I'm going to ask you for your favorite region here to end our, our, our episode or our part of the podcast. In the south, it would be Baylor, Virginia. Uh, Virginia, Wisconsin, and Tennessee, one through four. In the west, it would be Gonzaga, Iowa, Oregon, and Florida State. In the east, Villanova, Duke, Texas Tech, and Michigan State. And in the midwest, it would be Illinois, Kansas, Kentucky, Creighton. Uh, Steve, which one of those four, if you could get a free ticket, would you travel to go see as the best region in our preseason one through four? I, If I had a ticket I, and to our uh, region, I'd take the south uh, seeing Baylor, Virginia, Wisconsin, and Tennessee. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Baylor does this year. I, I think they got a good a chance of anybody of going all the way. And Virginia is just another, I mean, they're, they're, maybe they're not the most flashy team, but they're always competitive and they're always, they're always uh, give everybody a tough, tough uh, run in the tournament. And I think Wisconsin's got a really good chance uh, as well to do uh, to do a decent job in the Big Ten this year, and then there's Tennessee, like we just talked about. So I, I, I like I like those four for who I'd, who I'd like to see. Dave, where would you head? To, to, uh, which regional would you see if these uh, these were your four regional teams? I would head uh, to the Midwest with Illinois, Kansas, Kentucky, and Creighton. Uh, you have two blue blood blue, uh, blue blood programs with Kansas, Kentucky. Um, you have Illinois, who has lots of talent. I saw them in person uh, twice last season. They're a fun team to watch. Uh, then you have Creighton. I know you may not consider them necessarily a, a mid-major program anymore, uh, but it'd be interesting to see how they would compete uh, in that regional with the, you know, the the top programs of Kansas and Kentucky and Illinois. I, I, I like both those suggestions, and I'm going to add a third one. I'm going to go east, where there's great coaches. Villanova, Duke, Texas Tech, and Michigan State. That is a coaching clinic right there to watch those uh, three games, uh, the semifinals and, and the Elite Eight there with some great coaches uh, in the East. So, gentlemen, thank you for uh, joining us today. I cannot thank these two guys enough publicly, privately, for the work that they do for our students and for our Bracketology Club. It's just great having, having guys like uh, Dave and Steve uh, join me in, in providing uh, a great educational and a fun sports opportunity for all. So thanks, gentlemen. Um. Okay, I'm back here uh, at, with Bracket U, and we have a special guest, Jim Cotter, uh, who covers Illinois men's basketball. Um, and the great state of Illinois has joined us to talk a little bit about our number one seed, uh, the Fighting Illini. And, and Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Jim when uh, Illinois granted Delphi Bracketology some uh, media credentials, and Jim showed me the ropes of uh, where to go and what to do. So we're uh, very thankful to Jim for all that he's uh, contributed to to our school group. But Jim, we're here to talk Illinois basketball, and uh, how is it uh, you're covering them and and they're getting all kinds of accolades, preseason rankings. Uh, we we give them a number one seed. What what are your thoughts about uh, Illinois uh, rising to prominence? Well, they're going to be loaded like probably none other than the 2005 team because, it, and it all stems back to when uh, 
Io DeSumo and Kofi Coburn both decided that they were going to return Io for his junior year, Kofi for his sophomore year, because, you know, they have a star studded group of freshmen coming in headlined by Adam Miller and Andre Curbelo. And then the Coleman Hawkins is another one. And then they've got some other bits and pieces, but the glue to it was Io and Kofi coming back for, for their uh, respective sophomore or junior and sophomore years that has absolutely loaded this team. Let's let's talk a little bit about IU uh, coming back first and then Kofi. But IU to me is what I've been saying is a closer, um, where where he just is able to get key buckets, end of shot clock, end of halves, end of games specifically. Uh, that that is just a huge plus to have him come back for for this team. Talk about uh, your thoughts on how he uh, how he's going to do this year and what he's going to bring to Illinois. Yeah, you're exactly right, Brian. He is the one that wants the ball in his hands at the end of the game. And you're the one who wants the ball in his hands at the end of the game, because uh, he just makes things happen. And, you know, there's, you know, when he went down last year in the Michigan state game, everybody in the uh, state farm center uh, had a collective sigh, a gasp wondering, Oh no, is IO season over. But, you know, he came back uh, two, three games later and proved that, you know, it was just a, a luckily a minor, sprain that he had and that was nothing that was you know broken or torn but you know still uh, he's the you know he's the glue to it uh chicago boy uh played at morgan park uh played with the uh uh mac urban fire uh elite travel group which is the same place that adam miller played out of that's how adam miller came into the picture because adam miller is originally from peoria but moved to chicago for the last two years to play high school basketball up there at Morgan park. And also with uh, the Mac, Mac fire, Mac urban fire. I think IU too is going to be working on coach Underwood's talked about uh, increasing his three point shooting. If he can, if he develops that this year uh, to a little bit higher percentage, then he's going to be a complete player and just be tough to handle in the big 10. Oh yeah. He'll be darn dangerous. I mean, he's, he's already a spectacular player that probably could have gone to the next level after you know his sophomore year but you know coming back for another year and then having all this with COVID happening that was giving him and basically a free year everybody has a free year now so technically he's a junior but he still has two years if he wants them now he's probably not going to take them but uh you just you know have to look at it from from the big picture thinking just how talented of a player he is probably some somebody that they haven't had much as much talent since I would say Darren Williams, maybe, or right. even D Brown. Right, and and boy, he's sure enjoyable in the interview room, at least from uh, as a coach as well, high school coach. He just exudes, "I want to go do my job, and my job is to beat you." Um, that that winning mentality uh, brings a lot to the to the program too, besides his skills. Yeah, it sure does, and I mean, yeah, he is a joy to to talk to. Obviously now we can't talk to anybody right. in person. It's all through zoom and all that, but uh, yeah, he is uh, a fun guy to talk to and his famous quote, I think that he used a lot last year was didn't want to get too high. Didn't want to get too low. Mm-hmm. And that was what he kept saying all through the times when we did get to, you know, talk to him and uh, ahead of the end of the season when, you know, Illinois was poised to, uh, return to the NCAA tournament for the first time in six years. And then the, you know, the big 10 tournament being canceled like it was 
then the NCAA tournament being canceled and he never got that opportunity. And I think deep down he knew, you know, that if he came back and if Kofi came back, the pieces that they had in place with Adam Miller, Andre Curbelo, Coleman Hawkins, uh, if, you know, and Trent Frazier, I don't want to forget him, Georgie Bishanishvili, uh, DeMonte Williams, the list just goes on and on. And, you know, I think he said, saw with those pieces that were coming back that, you know, they could be poised to make a deep run. And if you look at it, <clears throat> Illinois went to the Final Four in 1989. They went to the Final Four in 2005. That's 16 years. 16 years from 2005 is 2021. Final Four is going to be in Indianapolis this year, hopefully, if everything works out. And Illinois is poised to make a deep run again and hopefully get back to the promised land and the final four and that national championship, which somehow has eluded the Illini. And a big piece of that, as you mentioned, is Kofi Coburn coming back. Um, a big presence inside defensively and rebounding-wise, who developed an offensive game as the season went on, and that's only going to get better here. But his presence uh, gives the Illini a, a lot of options uh, on both ends. Yeah, it does. And I mean, you know, he's only been playing basketball for four or five years, so he's still kind of learning himself. Comes from Jamaica, you know, but he's really a, a force inside. He takes up a lot of space. And, you know, you're right. He did develop an offensive game towards the end of the year where he's got that turnaround shot to the basket. And I mean, if he gets, you know, you do the high low from the guards down low to, uh, to Kofi. And then if you've got Georgie in there as well, you've got, you know, the Twin Towers. But Kofi's just, you know, a massive uh, beast inside. Yeah, and, and, and he's he's just a, a tough load for Big Ten teams. One one guy that I was impressed with watching from afar, and, and I saw three games live uh, of Illinois covering him for, for Delphi Bracketology, and, and I want to get your thoughts on how, how is Illinois going to replace Andres Feliz? And I thought Andres Feliz was just that do-everything type of guy. Um, he could score if you needed to, but he would dive on the floor and make a big play. He would get a big stop defensively. He's one of those guys that in a program you want to get old and stay old. Well, he was that senior uh, that that knew how to win, uh, and he's gone. And you've mentioned that this team is still deep, even though we've talked about the two returning uh, potential NBA players as being key cogs. This is a deep team. Who, in your opinion, replaces that kind of um, all-around player in Andres Feliz? Well, you could go a few different ways on that. I mean, uh, yes, Andres Feliz was uh, a good, you know, a very good player that, you know, had his specific role on the team as kind of a leader. He was a two-year player coming uh, out of, you know, transfer. And uh, if you ever, if you watched uh, the TBT, he he played for the uh, the uh, Champagne uh, team, the Illini mm -hmm. team that basically had a lot of Illini X players plus Mike Dom and them, but, you know, and he, you know, did well on that too. But I think as a whole, if you're going to find somebody to try to replace him, it might be one of the freshmen, uh, either Adam Miller, Andre Curbelo. I mean, yeah, they're going to be young, but they're mature beyond their years. We had a zoom meeting with both Adam and Andre today, and they talked for over a half an hour apiece. And if you didn't know they were freshmen, you couldn't tell from talking to them because they, they, they talk the game. Well, they're, they're very uh, articulate speakers, but you know, Trent Frazier, you got to take your hat off to him. First of all, for being a fourth year player, I uh, was actually a John gross recruit, but you know, when John gross was let go, 
Trent stayed, he you know, and then they brought Brad Underwood in, and Trent's been the glue guy, kind of as working as a leader. Him and Demonte Williams, and you know, they're they're gonna fill you know fill in the spots too. But Illinois could go pretty much guard heavy if they wanted to, kind of go a three guard lineup, and then maybe uh, put Kofi in. I doubt you'll see much of Kofi and Georgie in at the same time because now that the, uh, Illinois has Kofi coming back, Georgie can move back to his main spot, which is the four, which he plays a lot. So so you mentioned the freshman. It's a good recruiting class. But you, uh, Coach Underwood has really done a good job at Illinois. The first struggled the first two years uh, bringing in a defensive system that had worked for him um, at other places, his Oklahoma State year and, and at uh, SF um, Austin, right? Was that That's where he was – Previously, Stephen F. Austin. Stephen yes. F. Austin. Yes. So, um, he made a big adjustment last year, which really paid off dividends. Uh, that that eliminated a lot of easier baskets uh, in exchange for that pressure all over the court, turnover, defensive style. And he's got to get a lot of credit for uh, making that change with his personnel. Um, your your thoughts on on the three years and and where Illinois is under his tutelage? Well, I mean, yeah, he struggled his first couple of years, and that. Uh, two years ago, I think it was when they had the losing record and, you know, I was a freshman and, you know, just things weren't <clears throat> going very well. Yeah. They did make a change and they, uh, they do a lot of passing up, you know, on top, top around and Underwood's philosophy has been to, you know, run down and get a shot within seven seconds. That's always been his philosophy. Doesn't always happen that way, but you know, you go down you're, you're so fast paced and with the guys he's got coming in, he can interchange lineups to where you might see it, guys like Adam Miller and Andre Curbelo running the second team. You might see one possibly starting. I don't think you'll see both of them starting because there's just a lot of minutes to go around. But I haven't even mentioned guys like uh, Austin Hutcherson, Jacob Grandison. I mean, Austin Hutcherson's hurt right now, but Jacob Grandison's a transfer that can shoot the ball. So, I mean, he's got a lot of shooters on the team right now. So, uh, and, you know, it's just uh, the notched up the defense quite a bit. And, uh, you know, they were allowing a lot of points two years ago. Last year, they shored that up a lot. And uh, you, you saw on the court what happened as a result. And, and so, so we're sitting here in year four with a, a lot of expectations. Let me ask you a couple of questions here as, as, as we head towards the end of our time together. Um, if, if we talk in March and things aren't going uh, the way uh, Illinois fans want, what what's the concern? What's the one thing that could um, derail Illinois in your opinion? I would say having a, a major injury coming down to maybe Io or Kofi, you know, because you can't afford to lose Kofi, a guy like Kofi Coburn down low. He just is that type of player. <clears throat> that can make a big difference. And, you know, Io, yeah, you've got, you know, the other wings, you know, uh, Trent, Adam, Andre, DeMonte. But, you know, DeMonte Williams, people don't talk about him a whole lot. He doesn't shoot much. He's in there for his defense, and he's a scrappy player. I mean, another Peoria guy, son of Frank Williams, who was an Illinois great. And, you know, he's just a, a glue guy and a, somebody that, you know, you could afford, or ill afford to lose too. He started last year with an you know, off season with an injury that wasn't fully healed right at the beginning of the year. And, and you could tell, you know, he wasn't a hundred percent, but 
I would say barring a major, you know, and, and, and who knows what's going to happen with, you know, uh, games that are going to be played. I mean, right now, <clears throat> Illinois, excuse me, Illinois doesn't have a schedule out. We do know one game, December the 8th, the ACC Big Ten Challenge at Durham against Duke, which is going to be probably a test of, you know, two top five, top ten teams. There's a rumor going around that there may be uh, the Jimmy V Classic may be moved to Bankers Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis against Baylor on the 2nd of December. So, you know, you've got, you know, Baylor on the 2nd of December and Duke on the 8th of December. There's two matchups right there that are going to be top-notch. And then, of course, you throw in the, uh, the the you know, the tournaments that you have and maybe the Missouri game or whatever. And, uh, <clears throat> of course, Big Ten turn, uh, Big Ten's con- schedule hasn't been released yet. And, you know, we're just basically three weeks out from the start of the season, and Illinois doesn't even have a schedule yet, so – so um, here at Delphi Bracketology, we, we do a better job once the games are, are, are started and we can compare uh, schedules and uh, records and all that. But we are going to put out a preseason bracket because that's just what we do. We do brackets. Um, we did pick Illinois as a number one seed. So I'm going to give you our Midwest region with Illinois and see what you think about if this really comes uh, to play. We have Illinois, the number one seed. We have Kansas, the number two seed. Kentucky, the three seed. And Creighton, the four seed, for a sweet 16 of uh, Illinois versus Creighton and Kansas versus Kentucky. Your thoughts if that comes uh, comes true? That would be one wild weekend if that happens <clears throat> that way. I mean, you've got, you know, three powerhouses and or two powerhouses and Kansas and Kentucky. I won't necessarily call Illinois a powerhouse because they're not at that same level, echelon level that Kansas and Kentucky are. Creighton could be dangerous, but you know, this year, who knows? I mean, anything's possible. You're probably not going to see fans that are going to be attending games. So a lot of the, you know, home court advantage or home stadium advantages are probably going to be, you know, thrown out the window. Cause you know, 2020 has been what it is. It's, you know, uh, it's almost over. Thank goodness. But you know, it's just, it's been hard. It's been rough. You know, it all started back in March with, you know, the cancellation, as I mentioned, of the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournaments. And I know that, you know, the NCAA wanted to do that, you know, wanted to make amends and get back to another. And they're going to make every effort that they can, right. I think. But but I, I like your top four seeds. I really do. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's that one region. And I think, uh, you know, we got Villanova, Baylor. And um, who else is our number one? Gonzaga. And Illinois, uh, you're you're in with the the team you cover is in with the with the big guys in, in in our bracket, and that bracket will be published here in a couple of weeks. Um, so we we look forward to sharing that. Well, well, Jim, on behalf of Delphi uh, Bracketology, we um, we thank you for taking your time to talk a little bit of about our fourth number one seed, the the Fighting Illini from Illinois, and uh, we also thank you for uh, welcoming us into. Uh, Champagne uh, last year when we were able to cover uh, before 2020 went crazy. Uh, we got to meet, and I, I appreciate all that you do there. And uh, we'll stay in touch. And anything we can do uh, to help you out, let us know. Yeah, appreciate you having me on. And if you need any help from me, any uh, information or whatever, you know how to give me. A, you know how to get a hold of me. Just let me know, and I'll be happy to come on again and talk maybe later in the season to see how our projections are happening. Okay, very good. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Brian. 
That wraps up our first edition of Bracket U for the 2020-2021 season. Uh, I'm your host, uh, Brian Tonsoni. We'd like to thank uh, Jim for joining us on the show tonight. Thanks also to Steve Painter and Dave Gilbert, two faculty members at uh, Delphi High School who are great teachers and just all around uh, good guys and good friends. Uh, Make sure to follow Delphi Bracketology on Twitter. Uh, The handle is at Delphi Brackets. Let us know uh, what you think of our work and ask us any questions about where your team might be come spring of 2021. And check out our website at DelphiBracketology.com. Thanks for listening, and may your favorite team play, play well once the season gets started. Until next time, so long. We'll